The Damaged Goods Podcast. Rescue dog. He's right? fine, yeah. He is a rescue dog. Mm-hmm. Why? The rescue dog, it's like, this is going to sound fucked up. It's like adopting a kid from an orphanage that's perhaps been treated less than kindly. Not to say abused, but a lot of rescue dogs had ill treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not this one. It was a it was an owner surrender. What so is that? they couldn't handle it. So basically, actually, the the previous owner was a transgender, was transitioning, and had three dogs, and like literally could not afford all three dogs while paying for transitioning. So had to give it up. Dogs ain't cheap. Dogs. Uh, you're for a rescue dog. Your dog is very cool, very cordial, friendly. A lot of them. My aunt had two that you couldn't even like go near. She couldn't even go near them. They were going crazy all the time. Mm-hmm. They had cigarettes put out on their body, like foul shit. And I, I admire the uh, humanitarian aspect about it, but it's also it would be it would be rough if you adopt a, or rescue a dog when you can't even really interact with the dog and you can't even have anyone around it because it'll tear some young kid's leg off and run down Mm-mm. the street or whatever, you know? I just was really, like, I'm very intuitive about stuff, and I was like, I am not adopting a dog unless I'm completely it. in love with the dog, and I met him, and he went oh. on his back, and oh. I rubbed his belly, and he, he was he the sweetest you. thing. He didn't just lure you in like that? Yeah, he did. He's so cute. But he he's a psychopath around <laughs> other dogs. If you oh. walk him by other dogs, he loses his mind. He's so sweet with you, right, and with people. He's protecting you. But he's just like not. There'll be like a raw, like a huge dog, and he will lose it. Like he does not care about his size. He doesn't care about eat, getting eaten. Nothing. It's the, it's the protection. <laughs> I've seen a lot of my friends' dogs attack other dogs. I have friends with dogs, not even rescue dogs, dogs they've had for you know since it was a puppy, that know me. Like I've I've been around you a million fucking times, mm. but it doesn't matter how many times you've been around the dog, it acts like it's never, not only never seen you, but that you're like an intruder and they just go batshit crazy and for 20 minutes you're like pushing the dog down trying to you know keep it mellow it's exhausting yeah that's that's not I'm, my troopy no trooper is trooper seems very cool and i like the name trooper he's a sweetie he's a troopy poopy he is very sweet that uh Baby. dog rescuing patient voice on damaged goods this week is a uh as a singer is a writer you could say a storyteller a, a, an, an actress uh, uh what else are you not uh, Jenna Rose Hannah. I'm a comedian. And bitch. a comedian, yeah. There you yeah. go. All what, uh, she covers all the the fucking bases. <laughs> you check all the boxes. I do. I check all the boxes. Where is my agent, Jake? I don't she's have one. Me. I know. It's, the, it's the most bullshit. talented. Yeah. It's, what what's more important, a manager or an agent? I think probably a manager, but I'm I'm hitting you know reaching for the stars because I'm in LA. But yeah, yeah even a manager would be helpful. Well, like an agent, depending on like what you do, like if you're a like shit, there's literary agents, which I want. If you're listening, please uh, <laughs> hit me up. But then, like, you know, also for like people acting, but if music, you want a manager, right? Or comedians, someone to do all the, the grunt work, you don't have to do the right. emails, the texts, the calls. I, I love not having to do that shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a manager anymore or an agent. I'm solo. I think I need an assistant. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that level. Yeah. But I think as I do so many things, I don't really know if I need a manager or an agent. I'm not sure what I need yet. Does it not? wear you thin like doing so much uh yourself like carrying that load and then having to do the not having but doing the creative part of it too i'm exhausted um <laughs> that's why i woke up at 12 today Jake. 12 no, p.m I'm I'm sorry. Hey, it's all right <laughs> I, I try to sleep that late sometimes no um i'm 
I'm exhausted. Yeah. But honestly, doing creative things gives me energy also. Yeah. So I don't know what I would do without doing creative things. But yeah, needing some help sometimes. I always found it very hard to go from the, the left brain to the right brain, like doing the creative shit and then going to like business mode, like mm-hmm. negotiating something or booking the shows or whatever. I would hate that transition because I felt it was very hard to go back the other way, mm-hmm. especially like a band, not banding, but going from creating some shit to the business side. I felt like I'm not creating the best I could, you know? I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I used to be an event planner. So like actually I really love planning shit and like I did marketing. So oh. I kind of do both and I, and I love both. But when I'm in my creative zone, it's normally like super late at night. Yeah. No one's around me, but my dog yeah. lighting some incense yeah. and not talking <laughs> to anybody. That's what I had some incense uh, lit. I'm the same way. Like I was up late writing or I get a, like crack at dawn, like pitch black, mm. because I find it's like the same thing as late night. Like the, the world is quiet though. For me, it's like it, no one is around and it's dark. I can't, yeah. The middle of the day is tough for me to be creative. I can't do that. Especially like you have like the beautiful sunshine beaming in Mm-mm. and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't I like can't that. do that either. When I used to do music, I like I never wanted sunlight in the studio, even if it was two p.m. I want that shit pitch oh, black. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a moment. I used to wake up at five a.m. Did you ever read that book about like? Doing, I, I forget what it's called. It's like you do magical, the most magical work at 5 a.m. They, they say like 5 to 10 a.m. or whatever. Yeah, yeah but yeah. have you ever done, like I used to wake I, up at 5 a.m. every day and I would like write. That's when I started yeah. writing my blog and I was like, this is like. You didn't like it. No, I loved it, but I got exhausted about <laughs> 10 a.m. and I had to take a nap. Well, yeah, that's like, even when I wake up early to go surf, if I get up at like 5, 5.30 and I surf for two hours, I come home, I try to sneak a little disco nap in. Then get back to it. Nap. Yeah, okay. I found I was I was creative and productive early in the morning, but it would my whole schedule had to Your change. Your whole day would yeah, get you got to go to bed at like ten o'clock or nine thirty. Right. Yeah, that's how I thought. I didn't really like it that much. Yeah, but. I mean. To each their own. There's always these like rules like that people try to put out there. Like you gotta do your art every day. You gotta write every day, even if you don't want to sit down. Or you gotta do right. it at these times. You know, wake up early. Then I like read about certain artists or writers I like, and they have like wildly different Schedules. creative paths. Yeah, because whatever works for you works for you. Right. You know, some people like to do uh, their creative shit like you know, dead sober, clear headed. Some writers, you know, they're pounding fucking whiskey all day, but yeah. that works for them. You know. Right. Some people, whatever they isolate themselves or they travel, like whatever works. If you you just gotta find out. Where are you the best at your creating? Well, I just feel like yeah. everybody has different diets, right? Yeah, right. So, like, exactly. everybody has different bodies, everyone yeah. has different brains and mindsets. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's a tough thing, too, when you're like, you know, trying to find your place of comfortability for creation and you're looking at all these other examples and there's all these self-help books and some people on a podcast saying, you, you've got to do this. Right. These are the 10 steps right. to success. And everyone tries to do that. Because you think, okay, it worked for them, right? This diet worked for this person, but your body might be different. Right. You, you might take in sugar differently or right. whatever, you know? Like, yeah. Are you also have a different schedule than those yeah. people? You have different responsibilities. You have different, like, traumas that you're still working yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. I can't like, do this because it, it fucks me up in this way. Or right. I have to do it this way. Right. Yeah. Like, to each his own. Have you always been a late night owl? Yeah. 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 My, Same. My, high five. <laughs> like, my boyfriend knows... Oh, you need to rest. He'll be like, "Oh, is the Leo resting?" Because I'm a Leo. <laughs> oh, you are. I am a Leo. That's and why I, need I like to rest. you. Yeah, I'm an Aries, and uh, oh my Leos God, and Aries, Aries. We, we do very well. Some yeah. of my best friends and uh, creative collaborators. Yes, yes. Leos, so it's yeah. fire and fire. Yeah, exactly. But um, we're, last thing California needs. Yeah, yeah. No more fires. But yeah, I love being up 
late and I'm going to sleep and just sleeping like my little yeah. Leo self is supposed Fuck to yeah, sleep. Dude, I'm that. a lion. I love it. Yeah. Lioness. I've every every job I've had, whether like self employed, creative job, or uh, non like regular job, has always been a nighttime job. Mm. So I've never done like the nine to five and go to bed at ten. Like I've been working till one, two, right, three in the right. morning. So yeah. So actually, right now I'm a. I don't know if I told you this, but I'm a Tell social me. worker. Oh, good. God bless you. So during the day, I work with autistic young adults. I'm a life skills coach. I've been doing that for four years. Shit. And then, so talk about doing all this shit and working full time. So I get off at like six and then I plan for my show or practice Damn. or write or whatever I need to do. So. That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. You have a lot of steam in the engine, huh? I'm exhausted. You, drink, you don't drink coffee? I know you're drinking tea right now. You drink coffee? I am a huge coffee drinker. Uh, I drink it every day. Yeah. But now I put... Um, not not magic mushrooms. It's like uh, the mushroom healing mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, like a lot of reishi, chaga mushroom lines. Yeah, yeah, and it's really helped me a lot. Yeah, it's good. Did you ever watch that documentary? It's new, Fantastic Fungi. No. Is oh it, my is god, it you need Paul to watch shit? it. No, but I just started watching uh, that okay. last night. How to change your mind. I've read a few of his books like that. I'm very hip to the mushroom shit though. Not, I know. We're I'm, not talking about psilocybin. We're talking about like regular mushrooms. No, I'm like, talking yeah. about psilocybin. Well, those are great too. Yeah, we. So I've never done that. If you haven't read Jake's book, um, <laughs> I think he has. <laughs> but um, there's some in the drawer right now. <laughs> I I'm interested in that now, like that type of therapy, because I think it's so powerful. It seems very powerful. I'm, yeah. I'm nervous because I have had mental health issues and Same. like Same. I'm on medication, so I'm like, uh, uh, do I take this? Is it gonna mess up my brain? I don't know. So. Uh, not to like pry. Um, I mean, I used to be on uh, various medications for anxiety and mm -hmm, depression mm -hmm. and night terrors. And I would, you know, I did like psilocybin mushrooms and acid and things at the time. But when uh, the first time I was going to do ayahuasca years ago, my boy took me and they were like, you know, are you on any medications? And I said, yeah, these ones are like, yo, we, we can't let you right, do it. Right. Because there would be like SSRIs or antidepressants have a very adverse effect in your body if you take uh like something like, yeah, specifically yeah. like ayahuasca or dmt right and certain medications you know maybe it's like a uh, thyroid or some shit it might not matter but you could i mean i don't want to you don't have to tell me what you're on we can you know discuss that afterwards and i could say this will be safe this wouldn't be no but, i mean know. it's an antidepressant yeah. but like uh i i'm hoping that the only thing i'm really interested in so far through my research is psilocybin i think is yeah. interesting and i mean i i yeah. would go through these periods where I like I'll microdose for a couple months. What do you microdose on LSD? No, no, no. I mean, you could. I do mushrooms. I don't do oh, LSD anymore. Oh, you do anymore. mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. I was just curious. Like, yeah, you people do it on LSD. I that's what I don't thought. do that anymore. Mushrooms, it's a little easier to like manage. Yeah, or... like we grind it up in like a coffee mm. grinder. You could put it in capsules, like a vitamin. Oh. But you have to kind of find your dose first, which takes like a week. And yeah. You're not gonna like trip balls, but the you know one day you might have a little too much and the stomach's queasy or whatever. You yeah. you don't want to feel it. You know, you, you yeah. just feel good. You don't feel like you're tripping. You, you go through your day, operate normally, but you, you just like, feel more euphoric. It really does help with depression and shit like that. But you don't do it every day. There's like a schedule. You do five days on, two days off, or three days on, two days off. But then after a month and a half, you, you give it a break, and then you go back. Oh, yeah. But I've, I've found it definitely uh, helps me. I know it helps a lot of other people. I know it helps a lot of people. That's why I'm interested, but I'm, yeah. I'm so like sensitive. I'd want to have you, I don't know. You need to watch the documentary, but it's like someone holds your hand Oh yeah, yeah. and you have the mask on. I'm oh. like, I think I need all that. God. I mean, yeah, the, just I, to be safe. I mean, all like the ayahuasca ceremonies I've been to, which is quite a lot. Um, like the first couple, my friend is, I mean, 
they don't call him a shaman and that, but that's what you would be like labeled him. Yeah. He's been in the, in his church for like 20 years. First time I did, it, I did two days back to back, just me and him, which was very, wow. it was very comfortable. It was an easy segue. And then I've gone to like, you know, 80 person right. group ones. But even in amongst those, they'll have other people who are like, like you know, walking. Yeah. Around. They're, they're part of it. And they're, they're like kind of supervising. They're not in the way, but you know, they'll get you a bucket if you're throwing up or like, they'll help you lay down. They're kind of like keeping it chill. And, it's surprising how the the way it's organized in some ways keeps you from going too crazy or, or like like because you have it. that other pre like a caring yeah. presence yeah, yeah. And, it, and it definitely helps if you are sick like and I've I've never had a bad trip on mushrooms I have had friends who have and uh, that could come from a number of reasons but it's nice if you got somebody there to kind of yeah help. I think I need that so yeah, I, I don't mean, think I'm gonna do mushrooms with you yet oh no no I well, need yeah. to be I need to be like yeah I go easy nowadays secure. I don't I don't eat like crazy amounts of mushrooms if I Last time I had mushrooms, it was like, I, I went to a, you know what a float tank is? A sensory deprivation tank? I've actually, no, I don't so really know So it's like these that. tanks that are, you know, it could be of various sizes. It, it, it's like a, a various salts in there, a salt water that you're going to mm. float in, maybe like 10 inches deep. And it's pitch black and you can't hear shit. Mm. And you go in like naked and you lay in there with earplugs in for what ours was two hours. It was you're my first in time. water? You're in like salt water in this tank, you know. Oh, you're floating. Yeah, you're floating. You're not sinking. You can't. I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's it's so, like, many, it's so much salt that you're n definitely not. Okay. But you can't hear or see shit. And it was my first time. My boy took me and he'd been before. And I was like, yo, should I smoke weed first? He's like, nah, 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 nah. But we should eat some shrooms. I was like, yo. He's like, no, no, no. We'll just have a little bit. So we ate like a small amount. Um. I don't even think I felt it till I got out of it, but I was in there for two hours. It was a, it was a very interesting. What did you like, f like did things come up for you or is it? I didn't get that. That's what a lot of people say. For me, it was just like a very peaceful relaxation. Like, oh, okay. it, at the time, it felt like I was in there for 30 minutes, but it was two hours and I was just laying there. Oh, wow. It was hard. The first 20 minutes, I'm not going to lie. I was a little like panicking nervous, a little, a little claustrophobic. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's a little warm in there. You know, it's not hot like a sauna, but it's a little warm. And I'm like, Am I getting short of breath? Where's the door? Like you can't mm. see, so I'm hitting. Finally, I cracked the door. Eventually, I was about to get out. I was like, is no. it like pitch? So it's pitch, pitch black. Oh you can't no! See shit. Okay. But uh, once I got comfortable, I just laid down and put my hands behind my head. It was awesome. It was great. Okay. Yeah. Never heard of that. Yeah, that's big out here. They, Venice, uh, Westwood. There's one. Are you, where, did you go to Pause? Is that what it's called? Uh, no, we went to this one called the Float Lab in Venice. Okay. Pause You're sounds so cool. Pause. Jake. It sounds like a, an a, animal lab. place, though. Doesn't pause sound like some place you'd bring your dog? No, but it's like P A U S E. <laughs> oh, pause. Oh. I think you're in love with my dog. Jake. He's a pretty cool dog. <laughs> I'm very selective with dogs. If I like a dog, I do like a dog, and it's like right away. I, I knew know. you were gonna like he's him. I felt cool. so. Yeah, he's sweet. He's super he's cool. Sweetie. So yeah, I I knew that he was a a rescue from your one person show. Is that the proper like one person show? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a one woman show. Yes, because yes, I'm a woman. You are hell yeah. You but are. um, yeah, I guess to be politically correct, you can oh, say I didn't one mean it like that. I just show. no, but yeah, yeah, that's what it. That's what it I'm is. I'm rarely politically correct, so if I am, it was purely by accident. <laughs> no, it's a it's a one person show. Yeah, I was uh, very impressed. You're the first guest I've ever had that does anything like that. Like like uh. Like, fuck, what were you not doing? You're, you're, you're telling jokes. You're telling stories. You're talking about some heavy shit. You're doing music. And you're doing all this alone for a long time, too. Like, this isn't like, uh, okay, uh, intermission or, like, or cuts. That, and you don't have a band behind you. There's mm -hmm. no music. I, I was very impressed. I was very impressed. Thank you. Yeah. I never, I don't think I've ever watched one of those mm. the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was uh, impressive. I'm really happy you watched it. Yeah, yeah. Of course. I, I love plays. I don't love musicals, but I love plays. Oh, my God. I love musicals. You do? Well, just because I grew up doing musicals uh, like when, since I was little. So, like, I always loved sing Because that's what I like to yeah, do, yeah, right? Yeah. So, it's like singing and acting mixed together. So and dancing. Yeah, so. yeah true. I mean, the way you incorporated the musical parts to your shit, I thought was it was fitting and it was. It, I mean, it didn't feel like a musical to me. Yeah, like, I liked it. That's good that it yeah. didn't feel like that. But I always loved plays. My grandparents used to act in plays. I used to go watch plays. I I admire that shit. Doing anything live where you can't, you know, cut. Hold on, let me take it again. Right. Gotta have respect for that shit. Thank you. Very impressive. Yeah. Um. Like, <sighs> fucking. I just love when when I could feel it that, and maybe if I'm wrong, be like, "Yo, Jake, you're no, fucking I way will, off." No, I will tell you. <laughs> I could feel it that like one of the driving forces for you to do that. There probably was many. Was it was it was a very cathartic, very therapeutic, almost like I I have to do this. Like, like you know, like I can't not do this. Um, that's not really how it went. Okay, but I love that, Jake. No, but it wasn't like a, a healing thing for you at all. Or um, it's starting to feel healing now after I've done it, actually. But um, so what what happened was um, so I do have a single on Spotify. I'm not I'm not promoting that, but I am. But there's a Promote reason. That. There's a reason why I'm talking about that. But I I I had a single on Spotify. I still have it. It's called Daddy's Little Girl, and I wrote it. it's about my relationship with my dad. And so I always wanted to do a one-woman show, and I reached out to this director that I knew. Her name's Juliet Jeffers, who's fucking amazing. Look her up, Juliet Jeffers. Juliet. Juliet. Um, I had been in contact with her for seven years, Jake, before we actually made this show. Yeah. So my family friend referred me to her. Her name's Pearl Hannon. We got to shout out all these people. Pearl. Who's a manager. She's not mine, but she's Juliet's. Um, and... We started writing like a year ago and then I had to stop because my mom was really sick and I, I was taking care of my mom and I was like, I can't do this shit. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Um, so then she's like, it's fine. Like whenever's the right time is going to be the right time for you. And I just thought that was really beautiful because, you know, I feel like as artists too, we kind of like, we have all these goals and we try to rush it. And then God or the universe is like, hit you and slow you down. You need to stop. Like this isn't the right time for you because maybe there's something now I know there was something more I needed to add to the story. Mm. Like wanting to start it seven years ago. I didn't have any of these experiences. Right. So, um, I in our writing sessions, she started talking to me like, all right, well, what's your relationship with your mom? What's your relationship with your dad? What's your relationship with your brother? And I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) So I started talking about my dad. And then I was like, well, did you hear my single? And I sent it to her. And um, she was like, what's like, what's the premise behind this song? And I told her what happened right before that happened with my dad. And um just to say it plainly, I basically tried to commit suicide right before my dad um, showed up in L.A. I hadn't seen him in five years. So I wrote a song about it. Um, and it was a pretty it was a pretty not a great visit. Um, and our relationship basically hasn't existed mm-hmm. after that. But she I told her the story and she's like, OK, this is this is your story. Like, this is what I want yeah. you to write about. I'm like, are you sure? Like, I don't know if I want to write about my suicide attempt. Well, I, when I heard you talking about that, um, I, I respected it and admired it because I have like a lot of you know friends and people I know who have, who have dealt with that myself, too. Um, yeah, I put it in my books, like in my first book. And it's like 
a line and a half. I didn't even want to really get into it. Right. It tends to be something that most people don't talk about uh, when they've tried it, even though other people who have would like to hear it because it's comforting, you know? But it takes a lot to talk about it because you're definitely, it's nothing like you're bragging about. And it's nah. something that, you know, you don't want to, I don't know, it, it's not like there's a stigma around it, but you don't really put that shit out there. There is a stigma. Yeah, there is, Unfortunately. I guess. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's it's very powerful when you put it out there because it helps you deal with it. But, like, when I heard it, I was like, oh, man. Like, I didn't know that about you until I saw that. And having that, my own experiences like that and just putting it out in my art took a little while, but I've had people reach out to me and, you know, in a, in a nice way or sharing their experiences. I'm sure you have, too. I really fucking, it made me, like, really appreciate your shit even more. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's really funny because I just put this show together. Uh, the reason why I rented a theater, I don't think I told you this either, no. but the reason why we rented a theater is because I wanted to submit this to the L.A. Women's Theater Festival. Okay. And so you have to have like a videotaped version to yeah. submit. And I was like, oh, I'm inviting like two people to this shit. Like no oh, one's you, knowing about you this. You didn't want people. I really like I'm just telling you like how nervous I was to share this story. Um. And she was like, well, if it seems like there's not people in the audience, they're not going to take you seriously. They're not going to take the show seriously. I was like, oh, fuck it. Okay. So then I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this 100%. Fuck yeah. I'm going to be found out, Walls whatever. So then I started inviting like a ton of people and um, it was it was a full house. Yeah. You could hear the crowd in, in the video. Yeah. So I'm really, really. Everybody in the audience though, are all people that I know personally and I don't know if that's harder or I'm getting chills around because I don't know if that's harder or worse like easier or not to perform yeah. in front of but the reaction from the audience was just like first of all you can't see it on the the videotape but right after I I finished I started crying oh shit um on stage mm -hmm. mm. because like when people were cheering and I was yeah. because uh I just really like miss my mom to be honest. Yeah. And that's what hit me the most after. But my director wanted to have a Q and a with all the audience after oh, and Jake, they asked me questions for like 25 minutes. That's pretty interesting. You know, how did you write this song? Yeah. How did you have the courage to do this? And I told them straight up, I didn't want to do this shit. I didn't want to tell everybody my story, but um, it's, it's hitting me more now because I've gone so much intense feedback like yeah. thank you for sharing you're yeah. so courageous it's crazy like how that works um i honestly feel this like i don't know if you ever felt this way but kind of like this grace like oh like this yeah. calming like healing weight, weight off the shoulders uh, you're not holding the secrets in no really. i'm it not feels liberating yeah yeah so like i i feel like like seen in a really positive way like wow i'm finally seen and even like someone like my boyfriend who i've only been dating for a year who knows about the incident but like for him to see me on stage like that, yeah. he was just like you're in a very vulnerable blown place up away. there. Yeah. yeah, and I bet a lot of the people that you did know in the crowd, they probably didn't know all those details. They really and stuff. did not. There's no. something very powerful about you know when you when you step into a vulnerable place, but you're holding strength about what you're talking about. People reach out. Uh, like you know, my father just passed away the last year and a half too. I'm it's sorry in my book. About that. I, I thank you. You know, um, but I was working on creative shit i had a big radio show opportunity and i dropped all that to take care of them yeah. but it provided uh, my new book is like based on that whole right. thing so like you said you know sometimes these life situations happen and then when i was you know sharing that now it was out i'd have people reach out to me being like oh you know i went through this with my mother and my you know thank you for doing that 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 connection is like 
I think what artists like the most because then you don't feel alone. You know what I'm saying? You feel but it's also like, yeah, but yes, I totally agree. And I feel like at, when I started feeling that way, I'm like, well, this is why we create art, right? Mm-hmm. Like we create to connect and like mm-hmm. also in a selfish way. Like I yeah. feel like I create to like feel better about myself oh, or like yeah. heal myself. But also I think it's just like a gift to other people. I realize now that what I did was brave, but in the moment I didn't feel brave. If that makes any sense, I was very nervous. Um, but I, I even told my director, actually my director told me, um, that even if you heal one person from this story, like it's worth it. And that's actually what gave me the courage to keep writing the story. Like, okay, this is going to be healing to somebody in the world, especially suicide is really hard to talk about especially someone who survived it and can talk about it years later and have like the strength to even talk about it i feel like i want to be those voice for those people who like haven't even processed it or healed from it you know it's something that you know you don't hear about unless somebody it's like a you know somebody uh, a celebrity status and it's it's kind of makes the news because you know whatever but a lot of people you, you you might have people in your life you don't know. It's like yeah. hush hush. Yeah, That's I mean, it's still a stigma. I didn't tell anybody about it till years later, like yeah. four or five years later, and then I put it in the book. And I didn't even go into detail about it, but you know, just I, why, who was I going to tell? I, I one friend actually I called help, but like who am I going to tell? You know, like what am I going to talk to what somebody do you about? Mean? You could tell a lot of people. I know, I know, but in, at the time in your head, yeah, that's you what don't you're thinking. Tell yeah. You yeah. don't you don't want to be vulnerable. Exactly. You know, just so you know, like I haven't told everybody in my life either. Like yeah. a lot of my family doesn't know. So, but now you have this this show, this one woman show out, that's you know very personable. Uh, people in your life that maybe you're not in close contact with or other family members. Now, if they see it, they're going to know some things like. I, I had to deal with that with both my books, like sharing personal shit and okay. fear of like, oh God, is this family member, or this ex-girlfriend going to read it? Even though right. I, I changed all the names, but like, have you had any, uh, I wouldn't say feedback, but anybody that you know personally who's seen this contact you or say anything, not like good job, this is great, but like, oh my God, like you said this or that. Have you had any negative? Um, I'm not even there yet because oh. I literally just got the video. Oh, this is true. This is very fresh. Um... I'm kind of nervous to send it to those people, kind of like my oh. mom's family. Oh, dude, I didn't even send. I told cousins of mine, don't let grandma read this. Don't let your mother read this. Like, kept it secret from a lot of people yeah. until they they find it. So, um, I almost feel like it. It it's again like kind of looking in the eye of the tiger. Like, okay, fuck it. Like, I did it, and I feel like there will probably be. It'll probably be a you know a big explosion in the beginning but maybe it'll be even more healing yeah. for them and me and just to know that happened to me i don't why my thing is like we can talk about this jake but like yeah. why is it a fucking secret right like it's just the fear of being ostracized right the fear of being like oh you're weird or you're different or like my family's gonna like not talk to me anymore, but then it's like, do I want those people in my life? People are also going to think like, oh, are you like completely unstable all the time? Are you thinking about this right now? Like, can I trust you with a simple task of taking the turkey out of the oven or running this air? And like, you might be so unstable, you could do something crazy at any time. But then that's... Yeah, I mean, we, like, I mean, it's like you know, I know that's not true. If they course, don't know, yeah, then yeah. it's even like with like as, as things of, of like medications, like or, or going to therapy. We used to be so taboo. Like, oh, you go to therapy, you must be fucking a wacko. You yeah. know, now it's like if you don't go to therapy, you're, you're a fucking weird. wacko. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or like you know, you know, your medications that you're on, where you're, they're not supposed to be known to your employer to these people because, uh, you know, say something, you got into some 
situation. They could look at your history. Oh, well, she's on this medication, so clearly it's her fault because she's like this. You know, they they will judge you based on that shit. I know, and I, I think that's really unfortunate oh, because I don't know ridiculous. the percentage, but it's definitely more than half of America has mental health issues. Yeah, and there's like no stigma. Like there's someone who doesn't go to therapy is not on medications, but maybe they... They drink after work right. every day or whatever. Like no one's looking at you crazy right, like, like that's that. Fine. Driving home like that with your kids in the car wasted. That's 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 cool. No one cares, right? It's it's, it's very it's yeah. It's definitely mixed up. I think though, like when people put out pieces of art like this, um, it kind of helps remove the stigma because then people, other people, hear it or see it or watch it, and then they get a little more comfortable in their life with it, and they can share it, and then it kind of lifts it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just, someone from so I should have sent this to you, but whatever. <laughs> Um, I had testimonials after the show and like some people I know spoke about what they felt. And one person was like, it just makes me feel like, you know, or it can make other people feel like if that happens to you, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you mm. can bounce back. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. that's also what I want people to get from the story. Like maybe this horrific thing happened to you and like, or even like a death of a parent, like, which is tragic in itself, but you can always bounce back. Yeah. Like, the last line of my show is in the dark, there's always a glimmer of light. You have to just find it, you know? So like, that's kind of when I started following my heart consistently, I just felt like I kept being drawn to like a light or something yeah, and yeah. like, just get out of the fucking hole that I was in. Uh, so yeah. that hole sometimes is it's like, it's deep and you feel like you're scraping. There was some kind of like relaxing feeling though. I found like when I was at lower points, like whether mentally, emotionally, financially, at least this is as low as I'm going to go. So the, I'm only going to go up from here, you know? And then when you are like up a little more, then it's like you're on a treadmill or something like trying to keep pace. Like, okay, I'm right here. I don't want to go back down. I'm trying no. to go up yet. But there was a, it's almost more, a little more pressure in a different way once you get out of the hole. Because when you're down there, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm down here. Like, this fuck it. This is like know? it, yeah. yeah. I think that's why sometimes I, I still like hang out with friends and people that are in uh, maybe like different facets of life than some of my other friends or maybe they're still you know a little fucked up in the game or they're doing shady shit and stuff like that and i hang out with them because i love them and we're related or we're friends or whatever but i know there's some weird fucking selfish aspect about it that i do it because maybe it makes me feel all right either because mm. i know they ain't judging me or they understand or at least like it's a re weird reminder that like okay i might have been in a bad situation like them i'm not now mm, and, like a and, selfish thing yeah, like i'm yeah, okay yeah, and they're not exactly and, and and it's fucked up but i think a lot of us do that it's like why people watch uh, jerry springer and shows like that you know people like, are drawn to drama yeah and also then you can be like okay wow i'm not i'm not as you, fucked up as you you said yeah. that in your book exactly. actually like it's like it's a it's like the roman coliseum you can watch like gladiators and lions tear each other apart and be like at least i'm not you know well, I think right it's really sad that the culture, our our culture on TV, like promotes that. Oh yeah, that reality shows the same way. It's like That's I'm gonna I watch mean, these people fight shows. and scream and throw shit at each other, so my family feels a little more stable. Or I, my home life isn't this crazy. Um, Which is all basically produced anyway. Yeah, I hope everybody knows that it's not uh, real. Yeah. So. All scripted, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. I, I'm not gonna lie, I get drawn into that too. Well, like, I watch sorry. the Kardashians, you know. But it's all right. I'm like, oh, I like your outfit. You look cute. No, yeah, I mean, but my, besides my girl that, that shit a lot. <laughs> housewives, their housewives are always on. My grandmother, she loves the Housewives of Atlanta. That's like her shit. Mm -hmm. Her and my girl talk about it, which is hilarious. That my grandmother's 93 and she loves the Housewives of Atlanta. But why does she like it? Does she like the drama? Is she? Like... I guess so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't watch the shows, yeah, but uh, I, I suppose.
I used to like uh, Jersey Shore. That was my shit. <laughs> I used to like get all prepared. I'd have like popcorn. Oh, it was like, like a I'm movie so night. So ready. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. People like to watch like quote unquote trashy people fighting, right? Or like you know. And to feel better about. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like it's a subconscious thing. Like I not, I don't think they're like, oh my god, I am so much better. Yeah, off. yeah, exactly. But just, like subconsciously, you're yeah, like, I'm it heals so you. Well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I watch a lot of like weird fucked up movies that are like sad and twisted because I'm like, I'm, right, I'm not in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know? It yeah. also makes you grateful for what you do have. Yeah. When you see, oh, I'm of like, course. I'm, I'm talking more about documentary type shit, but like even produce things, you're like, Oh my God, thank yeah. God I never had to go through that yeah. type of tragedy or that experience. Like I mean, yeah. having friends and family like in your life that you, you know, they're still functioning and, and doing their shit in life, but they've had a crazier run of it than you were like wild situations. And that'll just be like, Fuck it, it's bad, but it ain't that bad. But at the same time, like, I always like to keep in mind, and, and I'll remind people that it's all relative. Like, you should never minimize or, or diminish your own pain just because, like, you know, the saying is like, you know, the guy with no shoes was sad till he met the guy with no feet. And, like, there's always somebody who had it worse, no matter yeah. what, of course. Like, but what you know, it, it makes it relative. So, yeah, if you live in this country in a certain you know kind of neighborhood, you've never seen what might be taking place in Rwanda or some shit like that. But what you do know, it could still be painful. It's it, you shouldn't like pretend like your shit isn't painful. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. do kind of remind yourself, yes, I I'm blessed for what I have, but you could still have a fucked up situation. It might not be as bad as the next man's, but you could still be entitled to feel pain or trauma from whatever the shit you was going through. You know? Yeah, I think there was one study that said like emotional pain is more painful than physical pain yeah um no but i'm actually i'm i'm honestly after this show specifically too like i'm so grateful that i went through all this because it helps me look at other people with issues and have empathy for them Mm. and like yeah. want to help them or Compassion. know how it feels and I think that's the greatest gift that anyone can have but you have to go through some shit yeah. to have that type of empathy like if you haven't gone through really hard things like you don't have empathy for people or you yeah. don't kind of see their perspective and I think I would really really hate if I was that yeah type of person so I would always like wish it when I was going through some rough shit or like you know when I was younger and things were crazy I would like see other people I knew maybe better family structure or happy or whatever, more like a normal life. I'm like, oh man, I wish I had that. Like I wish, because then I wouldn't have had to deal with these things or these drawbacks. But then again, of course, then I wouldn't be me, which sounds so stupid or like, but so yeah, but you gotta like, you can have these shitty experiences and things that happen to you. You can't change that. So you might as well use them to whatever you can to your benefit, which is if you're an artist, it's great. You know, it's, it's very cliche to say that the best art comes from pain and things like that, but it's, it's kind of cliche for a reason, like very often. Like yeah. My best writing comes out of fucked up situations or weird things I see, you know, or painful shit. Um, that's just, I don't know, that's unfortunately, at least my situation, you know. And some of my favorite artists, whether music or writers, when they get very successful and shit's all cushy, sometimes you can see a drop off in, in the quality of their work or maybe maybe their, their passion or de- motivation, dedication might dwindle a little you know mm-hmm. or the realness that they put on oh, the yeah, for sure on the music for sure yeah uh being that like you're a, a comedian as well and i love how i i love dark comedy that's my books that's my podcast and i thought your show was great at like serious shit but keeping comedic elements to brighten it you know to lighten the mood that's been my family survival tactic for years right like uh when you are you like doing any like straight straight comedy like not like a one woman show but like just like straight up 
stand-up comedy yeah, yeah, or like- um no i used to do stand-up comedy i did it a few times i i wasn't in love with it i didn't really like the culture around it which is i think another yeah. issue but um like normally it'd be in bars with a lot of guys doing dick jokes yeah. and people talking about sex and drugs and i don't oh, don't do- mind me i'm just sweating balls <laughs> losing weight continue though i'm sorry and i got i don't i don't do drugs anymore and i don't i don't drink, drink anymore it's actually tough to be in those spots. so it's just like i my stand-up was all about being vegan in la and like kind of talking shit on myself about that <laughs> and making fun of like a typical la girl when i was vegan but i just felt really out of place like i'm like mm, this isn't my vibe like i'd rather sing to you all my shit than like mm. talk and be in a bar yeah. and like be around people that i just feel like are doing really redundant shit like things that have been done you yeah. know so um I do I mean I, I actually think I might take a stand-up comedy class in January um and get back into it. But for now I I just it's funny, like in the beginning of my show, kind of what you've seen or what you saw was that um I was doing a stand-up bit in yeah. the beginning. And I think that my if you if you would meet me randomly on the street, you'd be like, oh, my God, she's so funny. She's ridiculous. Like, she's hilarious, whatever, because that's kind of like that's my mask, like what I talk about in my show. And I feel like tears of a clown shit. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I am. I mean, I don't know, whatever. I guess I am funny, but I I do that to protect myself. Yeah. And I think that's what you were talking about, Jake. But um that's my director was like, you need to add more of your personality in the show. So that's why when you see me be like, kind of yeah. like having my little sassy personality come out because that's, that's how I present myself to the world. Yeah. But it's kind of like I took off my mask. I dig that. Um, but yeah, I, I want to do more stand up. But I mean, like people, fun. you could be fucking hilarious and comedic without doing stand up. Like I'm, I'm very funny, but I, <laughs> I, I would never do stand up. That's just, I just know that's not my thing. So I put yeah. my comedy into writing or broadcasting. You know, some people are comedic writers or, or like for, you know, an actor. They're not trying to be a stand up, but they just want to act in funny roles and shit. And they can right. be wildly hilarious. Stand up is a very specific it's style very of specific. art, you know? Yeah. And a lot of great stand ups don't always translate into funny actors in a movie. Right, right. You know? I mean, there's so many funny people that I know never did stand up and that's fine. That's yeah. really different, you know? Like, I mean, shit, my uncle is like a biker who is the fucking funniest dude ever, but he would never do stand-up. Right, you know? right. No, it, yeah, not everyone wants to be an artist like us, yeah. Jay. Well, he, he played, like, you know, guitar and shit, but then he, like, worked a regular job, and they all, all, all my family would make fun of me for doing artsy shit, even though you guys like music, don't you? Like art, right, but you're you making fun of me because I don't want to work construction and break my back till I'm 50, you know? Yeah, no, I... I've dealt with a lot of judgment with the job, with the job life. But yeah, I, I really like improv though. My stepsister used to do uh, stand up and improv and she was big on both of those. She would do the classes that, is it Groundlings? No, nah, no, nah, the, the, the UCB, yeah. UCB. And then she would still do stand-up, but she'd love to do that shit, too. She it made her tighter, like, you know, sh- sh- uh, sharpen the sword. Sharp, God, yeah. that's hard to say. Sharpen yeah. the sword. I, I've taken classes at Groundlings, and I I love it because you just, like, create different characters. Off the top, yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know. I just, like, feel like I thrive in that. So I think I like improv more than I like stand-up, well, probably. Being like, you know, you just shared this fun fact with me that you used to be on the radio, and I used to host the radio shows on Dash Radio and even podcasting similar radio, you got to be off the cuff. You got callers, you got oh, guests, yeah, you, you got to be, you know, thinking yeah, yeah. fast. 
and uh, that's more along the lines of improv than stand up. Yeah. scripted. Stand up is like doing music. You're, you're doing the same song oh, it's a monologue, that you did the basically. other night. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I really respect the off the cuff shit. That's like my strongest suit. You know, like I talk shit about anything or go back and forth with somebody. Um, whereas, you know, I've never done like. Well, yeah, music is like the only thing I've done, but I've never done like stand up or monologues where yeah. I do the same thing. You know. I feel like you would be a good actor. I, I did a couple of little, little things here and there, but it was just like. It wasn't your thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but. Um, yeah, I feel like you'd be good at that. It's just like, it's, I don't know. I think you like more creative control over what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, I feel that vibe. Like, yeah. yeah, I hate like submitting <laughs> myself to something where I can't. You can't totally put your control vibe it. On it. And I know sometimes you got to sacrifice a little control if a bigger entity wants to get behind it no, or things okay. like that. But it's it's tough for me to 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 relinquish that. I mean, acting, if they gave me like the role I want or something cool, but if I have to just like, you know, play this other thing, want. yeah, it's it's tough. I, I did a couple little acting things here and there. Uh, and then I, I went out for a little couple things here, but I was like, ah, right away, I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. And yeah. I have friends who do it and like, that's great, good for you and you yeah. get some checks and you make no, money. No, it's not your thing. Yeah. I feel like you'd be good at it, but I, I see that you don't like letting go of the control. Yeah, yeah. And so like, being, I'm good. not good with like being told what to do too well. Like directors, uh, you know, like, you know, you have a manager in music, that's not someone telling you what to do. They'll say, hey, this is the better business move or we're going to do this. Right. Or, or like I have a publicist for writing and she don't tell me what to do. But she'll say, hey, this interview, you can't curse. This is FM radio. Be on your clean Jake the Snake behavior. This one over here, they want the crazy shit. You know, like, so I'll, I'll listen to other people. I'm not that right. pig-headed, but no, yeah. No, no. It's funny, like, when you come out here to, uh, so Jenna Rose is a local Angelino. I'm a transplant from Boston. A lot of people that come here, not all, but most are coming here to to make it. or to yeah. make, Whether that's acting, Hollywood writing, music, dancers in, in, in videos, whatever it is. And uh, when I tell people I write, they're like, oh, like uh, scripts, like movie scripts? I'm like, no. They're like, oh, like a comedy TV show writer? Right, right. No, books and poems, like <laughs> some silly answer. But um, I think that's awesome. Oh, I feel I like do, I mean, you're I love a rarity. It. No, it's, it's my thing, but it's a funny thing to be in L.A. doing that because out here it's like you're writing for you, movies. You're right, you're to, not writing for trying direct, to act. Right, you know? right, trying to make it. What somewhere. Do you ever like go through the... Uh, the grueling gauntlet of, of auditions and acting and like the, you know, thank you very much. We'll let you know and all that shit. Yeah. So when I was 10, actually, oh, so shit. You being was an LA jump. girl, Pearl Hannon, the same woman who actually is, Pearl, uh, who's Juliet's manager, actually got me an agent when I was 10 years old. So I used to audition for commercials. Jesus. and That's very LA of you. It's like, I think it's a rule. If you grew up in LA, you have to start acting you before to, yeah. 12. And um, I actually will never forget, my family will never forget, I was up for this McDonald's commercial and I was like, got a call back and it was between oh. me and another family and they picked the other family and my whole family was like so upset. But um, yeah, I don't really know what happened. It kind of dwindled out. I just was like, you know, in middle school. I like, by the time I was in middle school, a I was teenager, kind of yeah. focusing on other things, even though I was doing musical theater and stuff. But yeah, I definitely had an agent when I was little. And um. Yeah, like a year ago, I was like, you know what? I miss acting. I'm going to get back in. So I like shot a, acting, a new acting reel. Yeah. I got a new headshots. I'm oh, doing yeah. all the shit, but it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough it's out brutal. there. It's yeah. like very competitive. So. And there's so many people. There's so many so people. Many and people. everybody wants to be, not everybody. A lot of people want to be an actor. So I just also thought that this show could showcase like, I have many talents. Yeah, writer. <laughs> you're the writer. You're the producer. Right. You're doing music, comedy, storytelling, monologues, right, like, acting. Fucking represent me, bitch. Yeah. Yo, it's a it's a 30 minute special. 
That's a long time. Not, like if anyone's listening, like you're in music or whatever, you got a band or you got a DJ, you got music. In, in you know, stand-up comedy, I guess, is just one person talking. But yeah. you're not just stand-up talking. Like uh, in, in stand-up comedy, you'll see like comedians that maybe fuck up a little or you know, banter with a crowd or whatever. Your shit is, is like a performance like as if the crowd's not there. You're not stopping to talk to them. You, you, you're trying to run the show. Right. But you're going from all these different, th- like, you know, transferring from this to that part of the of the show. And it's like, fuck, man, you can't fuck. Like, how many times did you run through that shit? Oh, my God. Jay. I was impressed. Because, like, yo, I used to fuck up on stage. And people don't always, you know, catch that you missed a word or line. Like, if you fucked up there, maybe people would have noticed it. Your shit was pretty fucking tight, girl. I can't front. I was very impressed. Thank you. I'm really um, impressed. I'm not going to lie, because I'm an honest person. Yeah. Um, I, so the show is actually a lot longer. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. And so, so that's like the trim to edit version. We cut a lot because I work full time. I went to a wedding like a week before the show and it was just like, I could not get it together. It was too much. So she's too, like, too much to focus for the, no, for the show? No, it's just too many, um, too much dialogue to memorize. Oh, yeah, dude. That's quite a bit. It was, it was. It was probably like 45 minutes, right? So what you saw was 30. Yeah. So we cut out like a ton of dialogue. I respect that though. I, f- I find less is more with our editing. Very undervalued. Yeah. So you're so funny. Your okay. writer comes out. He's like, yeah. editor. Yeah. Even with music. I don't want 15 tracks. Give me 10 tracks. But anyway, right. continue. No. So anyways, um, we, we cut it. We made it super tight. And then I rehearsed that shit every fucking day, maybe twice a day In the sometimes. mirror at home or what? Huh? In the mirror at home? No, not in the mirror. Just like doing it in my living room. No, but at home in my living room. And then my director lives in, um, what's it called? I don't know. It's in basically near Northridge. I drive, you know the shit. My account lives in Northridge. There you go. So I particularly close. Okay. Really random. (laughs) She's a great accountant. Um, I so I would like work all day, drive at six, you know, seven p.m. to Northridge, do a rehearsal for like three hours, and then come back, and then you know I have to leave my little troopy poopies. Then I had to walk him. That's a lot of rehearsing. So shit. Yeah, I rehearsed a lot. So at any points, like, did you kind of like leave a little room for improv or not improv, but like you know maybe certain sentences wouldn't be the same or you know. Um. Yeah, I definitely didn't say everything to script but um to your point i did mess up a little in my show but you would never yeah, exactly, know it yeah i didn't but, it felt very um, natural yeah uh i to feel that good it was actually like a week before the show and i really started feeling good about like knowing it which is like very cutting it very fucking close <laughs> but um i started feeling like like i really loved the project and yeah, i started like yeah, like I think I started, that's very important. It gives you a little more enthusiasm and shit. Yeah, like I felt like I was loving more on myself and like loving more on the the music mm. and kind of like yeah. giving myself self love before I did the show. And it very important. It hit me like a week before. I'm like, you know what? I really love this show. Like I love the story. Like I love myself for doing that. Like it it really hit me. And I don't know. I I feel like it was more like God like blessing me. Like all right. I'm going to yeah. give you the gift of being like calm and loving this. Cause it's going to be, yeah. a, it's heavy. It's a heavy yeah. show. So, um, that only happened like a week before the show though. So, but I'm, yeah, I'm happy that I rehearsed that much. Cause you yeah. need to, to feel oh, yeah, comfortable with sure. the material. Performing live. Like when I did music, I would, I would practice either with my band or solo all the time for radio podcast shit. I never do that. Or right. like I, I've spoken a lot at like, 
like funerals and weddings and like things like that. And I would like have a little thing written, but I really wouldn't memorize it completely. No, yeah. So it'd come off a little natural or whatever like that. Yeah. But for something like that, you got to have that down to a T. Like, fuck, man, that's tough. And like music is kind of easy. Like, you know, when, when the song starts, oh, this is the song. And in the set, you don't have like a, a brain fart. But with that, like you could be like 20 minutes in and it's transitioning from this one part to a musical number. You, I could imagine like you might be like, fuck, what comes next? Like, you know, I don't know. Oh yeah. Good thing you don't smoke a lot of weed. That's that's good. Yeah, I stopped smoking. Good for you. Good for you. Um, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, yeah, teach their own. It works for for everybody. It was not working. People. for Yeah, me exactly. Anymore, to everybody's different. I I mean, I had this friend of mine. This is you know, fucking twenty years ago. Weed was like crack for him. I mean, like like he would steal a TV for it. And uh, you know, this is a, a different time period in my life. And he came through. He wanted to get some weed for me. Didn't have any money. I go, hey blank sorry dude like come on bro i i can't he's like well what if i got you a, a solo flex machine i don't know if you remember those what is that? it's a, a workout machine they used to sell like on on tv in like the early 2000s like a multifaceted workout machine you could have it in your house it has a thousand different things on it. it's it's big and they're like a you know, 800 dollars thing okay i was like all right if you come through with the fucking solo flex i'll give you this weed and we're talking a very minuscule amount of weed for mm. the, compared to the value of the solo flex i lived on the third floor of this this house in boston with a flat roof so he comes over and the shit's in fucking pieces i go i go bro take it to my fucking roof and, <laughs> and, and put it together and he's trying he's missing like little nuts and bolts and i'm like and it's just a mess all on my roof to get weed? yeah and i and at one point it clicked i was like you know what dude no don't even bother this is crazy like why, this is like what a crackhead does for crack uh, like it, so it affects everybody different my point and that was weird yeah. for him you know yeah I um I started becoming kind of manic smoking weed yeah I mean, which you definitely can do that I I didn't know it could do that but that's when I hit my limit that was pretty recent I was like all right so yeah I've I'm sober now well good for you if, whatever if it's working for you keep it keep it going dude you know yeah. I feel like that. I mean it definitely your your work looks like it's unaffected your shit's tight yeah Maybe I, more creative or more like a more juice, you know, like more motivation. I feel like I'm more grounded and I have a lot more energy. That's good. That's, I mean, yeah. shit, dude, if you're working a full time job as a social worker and then rehearsing for three hours and doing all this shit, you got to have a lot of energy because that's yeah. fucking draining. Dude. I get tired, like I'll write for a couple hours and like surf and I'm like, I'm done for the day, you know? Well, writing is exhausting. Also. Staring at the screen. It, yeah. It just, drains me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sucked in there, yeah, gotta get up and walk around and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, you got the single out. Mm -hmm. The 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 one woman show is coming soon. I've I've seen. I'm very, very privileged. I got yes, to see. Yes, you're uh, privileged. What do you call Jake. it? Like it's like a screener. It's like a sneak preview. Yeah, it's like what they give the people oh, the that screener. vote for the Oscars. The yeah, screener. I feel like I'm in the guild. Yeah, you are in the guild. Or, or like I'm in Chinatown, <laughs> New York. I'm at the bootleg shop buying the, <laughs> the movies. But I I when is when do you have a, an idea when that's coming out or? Um, I don't know really. I'm I'm trying to kind of figure out how I want to market it. Yeah. I might want to send it to agency. Yeah, before you first, put it out, right? Before I promote yeah. it. Um, Smart. I don't really know, but I am sending it to a ton of festivals. So oh. like one like woman film festivals or like like one woman show festival. So oh, basically, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So this was for the LA Women's Theater Festival that I just submitted to. And then there's other festivals like the Fringe Festival and there's like there's another solo show festival. So I want to submit it to different festivals and hopefully they get picked up and yeah. I can uh, expand it. But yeah, basically the goal after this is to 
make a 45 minute version and expand it and then um, do it again. Yeah. Yeah, Basically do it again. And there are some songs I cut out even like Uh there's a lot of shit I cut out. So 45 is that's long. That's a long. Yeah. That's actually normal for a one person show. It's like 45 minutes to an hour. Jesus. And you're just like up there alone, like, like moving around, sitting down, turning, being different characters. That's fucking being my dad was the hardest thing. Cause like, even though I did it in improv, it's kind of hard to like write impersonate your own dad. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if he you know, is compounded by the relationship you have with that person. Right. I don't really like him too yeah, much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically that character was tough, but even doing my mom, I think embodying my mom in the show made it, made me even more sad. Cause I felt like yeah. I was like a part of her. And mm. then, um, tough. yeah, this yeah. was a lot, but yeah. yeah, I'm excited to, hopefully get into some of these festivals so i can Shit. you know share it more i'd come see i'd come see what when you got you one would? i would definitely i like like i said i like plays i like acting and you're, you're singing in it but it's not a musical it's 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 cool it's it works for me okay it works yeah. for you yeah it works well for that's me. what just so you know i talked to jake before i put this out and i said <laughs> is this shit gonna work for you because if not i'm not doing hmm. it <laughs> i had to think about it i was like <laughs> hmm, I yeah no but it was it was i was very impressed because i don't see that a lot like i mean i don't really know a lot of one person shows the only one I know is like the dude who did a Bronx Tale. Like he does a one man show mm. and they turn it into a movie and he still does it. And uh, I liked the movie when I was a kid. I'd never seen, I didn't know it was a one person show and I saw clips of it and I was like, I think I just liked the movie because I was used to the movie. Right. You know? You're just used and to I'm, that. Yeah. Used to seeing him on like a screen screen, but uh, your shit was, it was ill. Thank you. And I, I do. I just like people being vulnerable up there and, and stuff. And you know what I noticed? about people reacting to artists being like very like I'm very comfortable in my vulnerability I talk about shit in my books that like you know people don't talk about like jerking off in an airplane bathroom just to fall asleep on a long flight it's my first book or like embarrassing embarrassing (laughs) things about like you know being insecure or with a you know your ex-girlfriend or like feeling like you're in the shadow no I think it's but when you Good. talk about that shit, there's some kind of strength because now I'm I'm admitting you. It's like eight mile. Like if we're we're battle rapping. I already told you where all I, like the, all the right, shitty where shit. Where I'm from. So I feel good that I got that out there, and then other people see that, and like sometimes it scares them. Like fuck, I could never be that vulnerable. I'm dealing with the same shit. It, it psychs them out. They step back a little, but then other people are like, oh, thank you for being this vulnerable because I can't be and it, right. it makes me feel a little more relaxed it gives them like maybe yeah. like we talked about before like gives them kind of permission like maybe yeah. i can be this vulnerable like yeah i don't know i feel like every time an artist does that you're just like giving someone else permission to do the same thing and like empowering someone like oh if that person can do it and i know that person then uh-huh. why couldn't i do it yeah so certainly yeah is there any like uh any actors singers comedians that you kind of are inspired by or let you like look not not to let necessarily embody their work when you were doing this but the, that you like you know studied or took cues from or admired at least when I was doing the one woman show yeah yeah when you're writing it or leading up to it or just totally like zoned not out not for away the from... one woman show because I really had to focus on, on like me and what ah, felt good to me this is what I was hoping you were going to say that was kind of a trick question apologies and I don't mean to cut you off no but you go ahead I found a long time ago when I was doing music and even now, when I'm working on something creative to kind of cut off then any music that sounded like what I was doing. So I wouldn't even listen to hip-hop. I would listen to reggae or classic rock. 
Or when I'm writing a book, I try to not read anything close to what I'm writing. Like I'll read like true crime or some shit. Because mm -hmm. I believe sometimes we get subconsciously influenced by shit that we like and listen to. And we don't even know it, but it'll seep in your, your, what you're doing and kind of stand out and makes it less original. So continue. But by the way, kudos to that. I very, I like that. I like your answer. Thank you. I also prepped myself. I was like, is Jake going to like the Hard hitting questions. <laughs> it's like a CNN show, just hard hitting questions. Um, I feel like, yeah, for, I don't think, I mean, if you listen to my single, I, someone asked me like what genre it was. It's really hard for me to put it into a genre because I, I, I really don't. I, so I thought we were out of boxes. I thought we were done with the boxes. They yeah. still trying to stick us in fucking boxes. I mean, I'm just saying like, I, I don't know what my sound sounds like. Cause it's, it's like me, right. Yeah. It's my story. It's like, but what I was influenced when I was little, like number one, I was fucking obsessed with Mariah Carey. I'm just going to put it out there. Mm. Um, I think she's fucking amazing. And a lot of people don't know this, but she writes all her own music. Well, she got respect as a pop artist. Cause that shit is fucking rare. She writes all her own music and she's been writing her own music. And I also read her biography, her autobiography, which is just fucking incredible. All the shit that she went through and, she got inducted into the songwriter hall of fame and I'm just like, hell yeah, she did. Cause she's sure. fucking badass. And like, even though, yeah, she's a diva, whatever. It's rare that you're not going to be a diva, diva at that level. Right. Who's not a diva at that level. But I got a lot of influence from her, um, and inspiration and like, Oh shit, she can do it. I can do it. Even when, like, I started listening to her when I was like six years old, me and all my family, all my cousins <laughs> would be singing like all the songs. Um, also Lauren Hill, obsessed with Lauren Hill her unplugged album um is amazing and all those art like those two artists specifically influenced me and then my my dad is a is a yeah. guitarist but my entire family they're all jazz musicians oh really on so, his like, side on my dad's side that's dope jazz so, is the shit right so I was always like growing up my dad was always playing jazz dope. music and um my aunt's a jazz singer and so oh. I used to be in jazz choir here so you're, you're very cultured I've sang a lot of jazz music sure. like I love Ella Fitzgerald I love yeah. Etta James like Hell those yeah. are my two favorites Hell so yeah. um it's just kind of I grew up like all my family are artists. So like my, my dad's brother. So my dad's uncle is a drummer. My dad, my, I'm sorry. My dad's brother is a drummer. My dad's other brother is a saxophone player. Oh, my dad's cousin's a, uh, a drummer. My aunt's a singer. Everybody. Everybody. So like, it's like the fucking Partridge family. It's in shit. my book. It's the hand. So it's so are you called, gonna they're get called the, the Hannah family. Are you going to get the fucking bus and y'all just tour? So we did have a, okay, you're going to like flip oh. out. We did have something two years in a row called the Hannah fest. <laughs> Um, because now all my cousins play music and Jesus. sing and do all this shit. So, um, I can just name drop people. Why not? Maybe. Gino Hannah is badass. Uh, my aunt Corinne Hannah. I have videos on my Instagram of us shit. singing together. Um, my my uncle Jim Hannah. He's in this. Uh, and Paul Hannah. They're all in this. Uh, this group called the Rumba Club, which you would like. It's like, um, Latin jazz. It's yeah. amazing. So we had a festival and I hosted it because I used to be a yeah, radio host and a personality. So I used to host it and I was like in this like Baltimore paper about this. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? You guys don't even know That's who okay. I am. I'm not from here. Um, 
I want to do the Hannah Fest again. Shit, dude. That's not, you guys could start a cult like that. A I mean, I don't know about cults. kind of ugly, but, yeah, you, you know. Could, you could, like, uh, change we'll the face of the yeah, fan base. Yeah. That's a big family band, dude. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. They're badass. Hell so my, yeah. My Hannah, the Hannah family's badass. My other family, the Nolans, my Italian family, they're just, like, wild Italian. Is Nolan Italian? Baltimore. So... Our Italian, our Italian surname is uh, Sortino. Okay, yeah. So that's my, that's my dog. Sorry. Oh, the cops are coming. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um. Italians, yeah. My Italian, uh, my Italian family is Sortino. So my my, so my grandmother Rose. That's how I got part of my name uh. is Rose Sortino. But my grandfather is Nolan. So his last name is Nolan. So it's Irish Italian. Yeah, 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 so my yeah. mom was half Irish, half Italian. Uh, but they're like the wild. That's where I get my sassy wild from because they're hilarious uh, and loud. And I thought the rose crazy. came because you're a huge Titanic fan. But yeah, that, yeah. That's just what I thought. Because my mom, right, saw the Titanic when she was 36, Jake. <laughs> get your shit together. I saw it when I was like 16 because yeah. my girlfriend at the time wanted to watch it. And I remember nothing. I barely paid attention. Okay, well, you need to watch it again. Yes, do I though? I know Celine Dion just sang a lot. She's not even what in the movie. What is wrong with you? Those are not the kind of films. I watch films. Oh my God, that is a film. It's is like it? three fucking hours. It's, not, it's a movie. It's so good. Is it? It's, I already know it what happens. It really though. is good. What happens? Well, like fucking the boat sinks. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They, Get it together. What, he, like, he, he dies in the water. Billy Zane's running around chasing him. I've oh my God. I, I got the highlights, dude. Together. I got the highlights. Did you ever see when he, he paints her and she's naked? Yes, of course I saw that. <laughs> That's like the the romantic. I'm scene. gonna go talk to your ex girlfriend and be like, we uh, need to tell him to watch. She this has shit. she has two kids by this dude that we also went to high school with. They were a year older than me. Years later in New York, when I'm living there, this is like flash forward. Me and her are like starting to like associate again, like hanging out romantically. It's fun. Then one night, me, her, another girl from high school, my friend, and then this other guy, her would be husband later. He's not messing around with her. We all go out in New York one night. We get arrested. Not the girls. Me and my friend and the dude, the oh future husband. God. But they let him go for some weird reason because he's from Jersey, even though we're in Manhattan. Me and my boy are in jail for three days. She can't find us. And then all of a sudden, him and her start like, you know, seriously getting a crack and right away and then they have two kids and it's not a romantic story. Don't wow. smoke weed in public in New York. Or maybe now it's cool. I don't know. I think it's still legal there. Actually, don't do it. I they got know. cameras I don't know. Everywhere. They have that like fake weed over there. Uh, I forget what it's called. Yeah, I was, what kind of name is Hannah? Hannah is Scottish. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah. yeah. That's right. my, my that's my pop pop who passed away, but his name was Dick Hannah. But yeah, he's amazing. But my grandmother on my dad's side also played piano. So Shit. So you you were destined to be very creative. Yes. That's why you do eighty five things. That's right. You're like a, a like a what like a, a Renaissance woman. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. That or like a, somebody who juggles a lot, good at balancing shit. Yeah, like I am multi multi uh faceted faceted now, multifaceted very yeah. juggling what so where can people peep the single the song what where can people peep the single oh yeah the so the single's on spotify um it's also it's called daddy's little girl and has he said my name generos hannah and it's also on youtube if you want to watch the music video i did oh. a music video for oh, it shit. actually filmed in mar vista oh, okay. local and venice um glorious yeah so if you want to see that and then yeah and be uh be aware of, of the one woman show coming. Yeah, it's coming. So it's called fifty one fifty a musical. Yeah, what I was asking what the those numbers have to do with significance to it all. Yeah. Break it down. So for me. um it's actually funny that a lot of people don't know what those numbers mean. Isn't there like a liquor fifty one fifty or some shit? Or am I wrong? I don't know. I don't because know. I don't drink anymore. That's true. <laughs> I, I shouldn't I mean I drank for a long time, but I don't know. 
5150 is basically the code that means that you're going to be in a mental health hospital for oh, three days. Shit. Yeah, I should so, know that. I have uh, family who I should know that. Yeah, so there's a part in my show where I say that you know the therapist said we need to put you in a 5150. So that basically means they because they think you're at harm to yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. or others. Um, you go into a mental health hospital and you have to stay there for three days. Yeah, so what's really scary, I will tell you about that, is that they're allowed to interview you in three days and say, nope, Not, you yeah, need more time. Keeping you in there. Which is, I, I, there were people in there for like 10 weeks, Fuck. you know, people in there for months. Some, and so when my mom oh, came to visit me in there, I was scared to death. And we, yeah. the people Fuck, I met, dude, we were shit. like talking like, we have to get out in three days. Like what... So even in my interview, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling great. Totally great. I'm P- putting wonderful. a show on. It's like in jail with parole. You're trying to like look good for the board. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely yeah, faked terrifying. it. To good be... thing you're an actress, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> I faked it. I was like, yeah, I'm feeling so much started better. Started 10 years old for those McDonald's ads. Paid off. There you go. Your yeah. dog is licking my crotch area.